What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Whitetail Bloodline Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Sauter. He's got my trusty co-host, Tyler Wilbur, also known as Big Sexy around these parts. What's going on, brother? <laughs> What's going on, dude? <laughs> oh, man. We had a long day at work. I'm excited to record this one with old Johnny Stewart. He's a PA native, man. He's a wealth of knowledge, and it's going to be a good one. Absolutely, man. Johnny Stewart, the legend himself. Looking forward to talking some whitetails with this man. Yeah, and uh, people hear our voice enough, man, so should we just get into this thing? Let's get it. All right. There he is. Old there John he is. Stewart. What's going hey, on, brother? What's, oh, I just got done working. Yep, me too. I legit got off about 15 minutes ago. You're walked in the door 15 minutes ago. So, oh, both of you guys on here are just tired? Yeah, yeah uh, Tyler and Gavin are on here, Johnny. Awesome. So, Tyler, you're in Pennsylvania? Yeah, that's correct. And, Gavin, where are you at? I'm in southern Indiana. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm about as south as you get. I'm right by Louisville, Kentucky. I'm a couple hundred yards from the Ohio River. Nice. Well, that's yeah. cool, man. What do you sure. guys do? So, what do you guys do for a living? You don't know. What's, uh, what do you do, Tyler? I actually, uh, I'm, I'm an office furniture installer across the country. Um, and I build like cubicles, conference tables and office furniture. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. Different thing every, every day. Can't complain. Yeah. You got to keep it different, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and me, sure. I technically got like two jobs. I do my main job right now is I do landscaping, but it's not like what you think of landscaping. Like I'm on a skid steer a lot. We do a bunch of hardscapes. <laughs> Just like paver patios, and we're yeah. like the fancier side of landscaping. I'm also an electrician. I've done electrical for over three years, and I'm actually about to head to Florida next week and spend the week up there working doing electrical. So, well, that's cool. What do you do, John? Oh, I got an excavation business. Okay, okay. Nice. Yeah. So, it, so yeah, it gives me time off in in, in a winter to have an excavation. Work hard, work my ass yeah. off. I actually started in January this year, and because the weather was mild, usually I'm kind of slow January, February, but uh, I got to jump on the year. I've been working for the last three months, which is good. So maybe I'll be able to quit early, you know, <laughs> get some hunting in. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at, too. I try to work super hard until fall gets here, and I try to take it off as much as I can afford. That's about that's exactly what I do. You know, I, I tell people, I was like, I worry about money when I need to make money. I got to hunt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a shame, you know. There's times I went on uh, hunts and people said, oh, yeah, when are you coming back? I said, uh, when I get my deer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. two months later, I'm still hunting that state. Yeah, it's not like, like, oh, I got four days. Oh, I just got a window. No, no, that don't. I don't work that way. You know, no, I, I don't I don't know, Johnny. I might have heard a story about you possibly living out of your Jeep for maybe three months down. In yeah, Iowa. that's definitely. <laughs> I lived off of deer meat and just lived in my Jeep with my dog and just hunted. That was the out of good old days. Hey, that's awesome <laughs> right there. Then I grew up and said, man, I got to make sure I, you know, money wasn't the main concern of my life. It was just hunting. So but. You know, like most people, I'm not like most people where work, you know, 
and save money like i i just worked on you know that's how yeah, that's but it. then when i i got older like around 40 uh 30s lady you know 30s for it's like i do need to have some money for when i get older so i gotta actually think about that but um yeah as far as like retirement or having money put aside i just like no as long as i got money to go hunt that's all you know at that age 20s and the 30 it was i was single and that's all that i wanted to do you know yeah, kind of like you guys. Yep. Yeah, I know. That's so why I get I guess since you guys are the same, and there's a lot of guys out. You know, I can uh, that remind me of my. Yeah, that's like that's how I am. Just because like money's never really been that important to me. Like I could sit there and work for twelve months out of the year and have good money, but I don't really care to do that. The only reason I'm working is to be able to enjoy the stuff I want to. Life's too short. Well, I'm in my 20s, and before I have kids, because once I have kids, that's where I'm going to change, but that ain't in the plans right now. I got too many whitetails to kill. That's exactly how I was. I'm, I have a fiance now. Uh, she has two kids, um, but yeah. she totally understands, like, this is who I am. You know, once, uh, you know, it is what it is. Like, yeah, I ain't going to change. So money is a little bit different now that I am older, and I have someone else that relies on me somewhat but still but i just make more money that's all i just make sure i right. make enough um to still do that hunting so yeah, yeah. absolutely so, john so johnny how did you get your start man like uh where'd you get brought up into the outdoors and like how old were you when you started chasing whitetails so uh i live near pittsburgh so just south of pittsburgh just kind of not so much in a country, kind of was a little bit country type area, but then they build up, you know, last 20 some years, they build it up into houses. Yeah. And so like yeah. where I grew up hunting, them places are gone, rabbit hunting, squirrel hunting. Uh, and I did like the urban hunting around houses and I just had to get away from that and get to more wild places and more challenging areas. But yeah, I grew up squirrel hunting. I was big in a squirrel hunting small game and then i picked up a but you know i shot my first deer with a gun probably 15 14 and then a buddy of mine got me into archery and it took me a few years to finally tag a deer i was probably 17 i tagged my first you know i waited for a buck i didn't shoot a doe my boat that, that was the start of it and i knew i was hooked um but i don't know if i ever told this story but i know my dad took me out scouting he was just a rifle hunter and it was like he would go when it was convenient just like most of the people i grew up around guys or whatever and i remember he took me to a spot that his buddy had and i was i was able to tag i remember when my dad would go hunting i was just so fascinated to hear his stories when he come back in and but i know he took me on like a scouting trip to this new area and that i was probably eight ten years old and i learned what a buck rub was and they showed me him and the other guy and i was so fascinated that every buck rub i found when we were scouting out there with my dad and the other gang guy i cut down and brought home i was carrying it i was I, that's that's how you know your brain's a little bit warped i saved them i saved all these buck rubs <laughs> they were on a back deck like a whole pile of these saplings like a all i could carry I don't know why. So then I put them on my back deck and in like summertime, you know, that was like November or whatever. Summertime roll around. My mom's like, what are you going to do with these? I'm like, they're my buck rubs. I'm saving them. She's like, for what? I was like, I don't know. But 
there's a power buck rubs I got out there. <laughs> it looks cool. <laughs> but like I like I look back on it like wow, there's something this guy's messed up. He's saving that's when I something should have or someone should have told me like you're not right. And then uh so yeah, probably in my teens into my twenties got bigger into archery and then just chasing the more mature bucks and the, my uh I was into spring turkey a fair amount, and then it just kind of decreased. I used to fish and do all that to where it just got into whitetails, and it, then it was a, you know, 365 thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, I understand that. So, since you're a little older, John, uh, like, how is the pressure? Has the pressure got worse or more people hunting since time's gone on, since 20 years ago, like you were talking about, those pieces being gone? And is uh, I'm just curious about, like, how – pressured pa really is because i hear it from tyler and you hear about it all the time but being from a guy who's been doing it for years yeah i think the the pressure on so i just pretty much exclusively hunt public land uh and the pressure has gotten to be more since it's i don't know promoted or it's out there a lot of social media and stuff like i i mean i don't care it it is what it is i'm still gonna find my deer um i know i noticed shed hunting in my area um no one used to shed hunt i used to, i used to enjoy like i'm a little bit different i think i i, I was the only one out there and, and in january i was the only one still in the woods hunting everybody gave up and in that shed season i was always out there picking up horns there was no one around and i do i did enjoy that um i was kind of only one doing that stuff on the public land and um i don't even shed hunt anymore like being on Pennsylvania, like public, just like scouting and shed hunting. Do you guys like bump into people when you're out there on the public? Yeah, I have at least. How about you, Johnny? I uh, I see vehicle or a buddy of mine. So I live near Pittsburgh, and my my place I usually camp, and that's north. So like I talk to a buddy that lives up there, and he kind of gives me to run down. There's guys shed hunting here. I run into guys and um. And I kind of hear from a lot of people in that area that that's um, the case. You know, it's kind of sucks a little bit, but um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's life. Yeah. But I, I, camp and I was able to get into my area and pretty much just scouted for next year. Um, I just kind of give up looking for horns. I found a small one, but uh, it, it's, you know, yeah, I'd like to find some horns, but um it's it's whatever you know but yeah definitely a lot more pressure than there used to yeah, be i was just curious because i've only been scouting public hard for i'm going on like year two of diving into it heavy and i have mm-hmm. never once bumped bumped into anybody i've been on many pieces here in southern indiana and northern kentucky i've never once bumped into anybody scouting oh ever. man you have to send me your address yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? It's just, yeah, it's just <laughs> wild, like how Pennsylvania could be that much more pressured. Because I thought this area was pressured, and then you start talking to Tyler and guys like you more, and I'm like, I got it good on my public, you know? Yeah, man, off the head yeah, down there, yeah. man. <laughs> hey, man, if you ever make your way down this way, I'll throw you in some spots, man. I got some, I got some good spots between Northern Kentucky and a lot in Southern Indiana. Southern Indiana is just blessed with thousands of acres of public. Yeah, that's cool. And you know what? There is, though, a lot of states that have good deer on public. I mean, they're because I, I, you know, I'm kind of stuck hunting uh, my Ohio because I have a camp there in PA and, you know, uh, Virginia again. So sometimes it's hard to get out of those three states and venture out because there is like there's a 
a lot of good deer on public around the country. I mean, yeah. Um, it's that's one good thing. I feel like maybe some areas might come in waves, where some areas find more pressure, but other areas might lighten up. And um, and that, and I think biggest thing is just getting away from people. You'll start seeing more, uh, or just learning how the people, um, the other hunters, are. Uh, what do I want to say? Learn how they're. Um, your entrance, you know, where they're hunting or how they're getting into the woods, where they're parking and stuff like that, and just yeah. work off of that because these deer live with these people. You know, they're on yeah. it. It's not like, you know, they live with just they adapt, and that's why I think it's the most challenging hunting out there uh, is hunting this public land. That's what I'm looking for is because that's on them. I mean, you can find the great sign, and sometimes it's it's golden and it, it'll happen but sometimes it's the deer are pressured it's maybe totally nocturnal and you got to figure that out how they're affected by um the hunting pressure in that area so that's the biggest right um, keys to, to to it so for for johnny stewart man how does the season start you say it's white tails 365 that's the same for us like say january 1st it's new year 2023 like what what are you doing starting in those winter months like leading into season until you kill your buck here with uh my excavating business Bob, um january the weather was fair we didn't have the snow the rain the frost so i worked january february and so the sooner i i'm usually off january february just because of the weather uh it's a bad time so i that's a you know a, a lot of reasons why i do a lot of winter hunting um but um i'm lucky enough to have hunted enough years and gained data on these areas that I have put time in these different states, these different pieces of public that even though I am working, I don't need all this. Like I said, I did one scouting trip. Um, I spent a few hours up North in PA yesterday and Friday. I'm probably going to do one more time, uh, Turkey, you know, like I said, I'm sacrificing the shed hunt. Yeah. I'd love the shed hunt. Um, but in, in the other state I'm going to hit, I'm going to try to get down there for a, a, you know, a spring scouting trip. If I think the shed hunting's too high or the deer weren't maybe there, just kind of focus on dropping pins on, on Spartan Forge, put pins in rubs, scrapes, you know, whatever terrain features or, or whatever, and, and then have that data for the, the following year. But I think you put so many years in, in these areas and, and that's the problem with me trying to get to a new state it's like you, you you'll never stop learning say you take this one piece like, like you said gavin in southern indiana you just keep refining it keep polishing it you know and the deer change um this one died another one moved in so it's hard to get it's almost hard to break the cycle so what so it's good and bad that cycle will help you learn for the future um, right. the area and, and you can refine it and don't need that much scouting. And then maybe that'll give you time to, uh, get to another state and learn a new state. But yeah, I mean, always spring, um, do your scouting. And like I said, um, yeah, I don't have to do as much now, but then I don't, I, I used to run some, we used to be able to run the cameras on mineral licks on the national forest and PA. Now they abandon that. So I'll probably jump some, drop some cameras summertime, just maybe some browsing areas where I feel like some bucks would be located for some inventory. Then 
kind of get just for fun and, and I'll be busy working through the summer, then um, get into late August when they start shedding velvet and, you know, where I feel like I might start catching them early, you know, um, early in the season, hunting season, you know, and then, like I said, I, I got so many pins marked and, and I just kind of, like I said, um, it keeps changing where I thought I was going to kill a deer last year. It, it kind of drifting off of the area into new refining where I feel like the deer are. So it's just a, a never, it's a just never ending, uh, cycle, you know, and then, uh, whatever I don't get done through November, um, I jump around different States, whether I killed or not, you know, and, and look for a January hunting spot and, and then just starts the vicious cycle again. Yeah. And right. I know, Tyler, he's big on brows, so I'm sure he's got a question once you got to talk about brows. Tyler, you got a question yeah. about brows? Yep. Uh, you know, Johnny, these past couple of years here in PA, we've uh, had some tough seasons for mass crops. So what's what's one, yeah. what's like a go-to food source that you would key in on on a bad year for mass crops? So, yeah, the area I hunt, Tyler doesn't have any mast. Uh Okay. There's beach, cherry, the beach rarely, there was a good bumper crop a few years ago. Beach was really, um, you found them, you found deer, bear, but, um, yeah, when you don't have the mast, um, early season can be tough because the browse is everywhere. Um, right. it's still green. A lot of these areas got ferns before frost hits. I've tried getting out and hunting and a, a lot of randomness to these deer, but, um, I like so when I was scouting the other day, I, I just kind of in different parts of PA are, are different all in what browse is out there. Um, right. But the area I am, I mean, there's kind of like I don't know if you got any tea berry, tea berry, or yeah. just some blackberry briars that crawl on this stuff. And the more variety yeah. you have in an area, so I just took note of an area um, when I was scouting yesterday, uh, drainage. Two, two drainages, real gradual um, topo, and these two drainages met. And the one drainage had um, had a fair amount of browse, variety, green stuff growing. So I really I took note of that. And in these areas, if you can um, couple them with like a safe area, like I'm starting to right. say the word and use this these bucks having safe areas, safe locations. Cause right. when, when you get into the October, that's when the pressure starts rising as far as hunting pressure. And these deer also is to coincide with their feeding to be amped up. Um, and so they need to be feeding a lot more to be ready right. for, for, for winter. And, and they find these safe areas that the pressure's low. Um, you got some cover nearby and a lot of it's a matter of it's a combination of cover and browse, but just find okay. variety cover nearby. And if it's a safe location that he can be, he doesn't want to be bumped by humans. Now, nighttime's a different story and he could be, you know, an hour, I get pictures of deer an hour after dark, even a half, you know, probably about an hour or so after dark, you're into that hunting season, October. So that just yeah. tells me he exists. But um, right. if you start refining your areas and 
like last year, I picked out a spot. I thought it was going to be good. Um, and it just a lot of younger deer, um, a lot of does. And it doesn't always mean just because it, it was near a road and, and the deer. Sometimes I get into that situation. I think I can just hunt right by the road this year and, and have success. The does are here. The food's here. And, and there was a scrape there. And I never had a big buck on this community scrape. 120s, the 30 class bucks. The doe, I seen does out the ass and just like, it's just, to me, it's not a safe area. I'm not saying that peak, because I know there's some good mature deer within a half mile. I mean, like, to me, it's like, and people talk about finding does. It's not always find the does, you'll find the bucks. You might find right. the, it might be a younger population of does. And so, I don't know, that just didn't have the mature deer. And it just really fell through for me this year. I thought I could hunt close to the road and everything was there. Now, so I'm starting to look for these safe areas that are back in the forest away from not saying, you know, and I always talk, I sometimes tend to contradict myself because a different situation, that's why, it, you know, there's no black and white answer to the. To right. It's situational. Exactly. Yeah, it's situational. So it's definitely a situation where there are times by the roads. Great. Um, yeah. But some of these older deer, if, if they have vast amounts of land that are away away from the road like if then he you know he's he's gonna kind of get into them areas he don't want to bother with anybody and he can move and browse on just whatever variety you know black you know you're you're younger if you can get you know cuts are always good you know if you get poplars young maples they'll nip off the top of that yeah. um and then cuts are great uh, but it's all relative to the area. I got an area that has two or three cuts and it ain't that great. Cause everybody pounds it, you know, and that's not a safe area. Exactly. So you get areas what has a whole for miles and different cuts. Well then, Hey, people say, Oh, I like hunting cuts. Well, I can see why. Cause the, the pop, the, the pressure is going to be less, more spread out in those cuts, you know? Yeah. But, um, 100%. yeah. And, and, you know, for Northern PA, it's, or if you don't have the mass, it could be really difficult you know, you, you know, how I, it's hard with it, you know, the even sea sign, the vegetation's thick and a lot, your cover goes up. You're safely has even, you, know, you think it has a lot of cover in November. Look at, you know, early October before frost. Oh, yeah. like, and yeah, honestly, yeah. a lot of these deer I'm hunting, I have no clue where they bed. It's just, they're just random, you know, and the, the safe areas are larger. So I think like this year, I'm going to, the, the safe areas that I found, I'm going to kind of hit them up when, when, um, the people start, I kind of monitor when the people start hunting my area, you're looking at the end of October and November. And I still find these, a lot of these mature deer, when you get to the seven, eight year old range, six, eight years old, you know, they, they're still up till the 10th, 12th of November. I still find them being nocturnal. Um, wow. they're in these safe areas and, and they don't want to, they, they're going to get their two or three does and, that's it. You know, they're not going to yep. travel out. And then you get this old buck that and they say how the home range shrinks. If he lives in this area, um, at one point or another, this mature doe is going to come through and they're going to overlap. He don't have to go chase. She's going to come in and he's, she's going to start flirting around where he, she can find him. I know we, everybody does a lot of this hunting and doesn't yeah. see them bucks. You know, it's not a coincidence. And it, it, a lot of these deer shrink their range and there's just these safe pockets that nobody, nobody goes in and, and it's like you just got to get on the uh get in close to them areas and it, there's you know it's it's really challenging you know 
Yeah, I just actually had this conversation with Steve Shirk yesterday. We were talking about older, mature bucks kind of <laughs> finding them pockets of does and doing a stakeout. You know, they don't want to have to run around the block multiple times if they don't have to. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's what's going to get them killed. They know a lot of movement in areas because you figure and take a mature buck throughout his life. He's seen or smelled people in a safe area, but sure. less often, you know, when he gets to the might be the more appealing area for the rest of the deer herd. And that also is more appealing for hunters to see all this sign and droppings and browsed over stuff. And so he starts associating those areas with humans and, and he lives by, and he's like, I don't want to venture in them areas. I'm just thinking of a buck that I'm going to hunt this year. I'm sure he's still, I'm pretty sure he's still alive. He's been 150 class eight for three years now. Um, I'd say he's eight years old. And so um, just kind of talking from this situation that I'm in, but it's something that I see a lot with different mature deer that I, I go after, yeah. you know, I, and I do see a lot of where they have them safe areas and you're getting into the November, the rut and these bucks, they'll get up and leave their bed. So in their bed, they're thinking, this is where I need to be. This is where that doe is. And they'll, they feel that I've seen on many times where that first 15, 20 minutes, and that's your last 15, 20 minutes of shooting light. It seems like he just right. beelines and he's heading for this location, but he's pretty sure he's, he, he's like himself. He's pretty sure that first yards, that first 15 minutes, he's safe. And that's where you got to be set up is right there. Right you know? there. Yep. Absolutely. And I don't know if I've heard this, Johnny, or it's just something that's going through my brain, but I want to say I've heard this that when a buck gets mature, like you're talking about six to eight years old, and you got these same nanny does that are in the area, I've heard, I'm pretty sure I heard this, um, that does will basically go out and sought after the buck instead of the buck going to look for them, kind of like a turkey, a uh, hen does for a gobbler. I've heard they do that once it's a mature buck, and I've heard that uh, even some of these does will be breeding with that same buck year year after year. I don't know if you've yeah, ever I, heard anything like that. I, I've definitely heard of that. I definitely think it's a part of the strong survive and the mature, you know, type of situation. And I think this past year, when I was hunting near the road, I've seen does all the time, and I think it was the immature does, the yearling does, and the small ones, and they were there, and it's just like, you know, and that, you know naturally all oh, the does are here the bucks here but you know the big mature does might be back in the woods or you know seeking out them bucks you know and like yeah, we right. said it's it is situational uh, you know i'm sure the big deer will breed the younger deer but um yeah they just kind of you know, have the have them tendency tendencies yeah. to mature I've, deer. I've just noticed that with my property. I got my family property here in southern Indiana, twenty seven acres. We got this buck I called Van Jenkins. He's been on the property almost all the time we've had it in ten years. He's been on it for seven of the years. Uh, I believe I've had pictures of him for six. And mm -hmm. uh, every year comes through the same week right there in November and he's always with the biggest, most nanny doe in the area. And he I don't know if it's just like he knows that nanny doe is going to be there, but I've also heard those situations like we're talking about. And you got to think a big mature buck, smart. They do these scrape lines, and we have no idea what these scrapes actually mean to deer. We've studied them and studied them, but nobody knows what they're actually they're doing exactly. For the most part, you got good ideas, but 
these mm-hmm. bucks are brought, in my mind, I would say these bucks are leaving scrape lines. These big mature does and these other does know that smell from that buck, and then they go looking for him. That's just kind of how my mind's thinking. Yeah, and there's times I've seen on scrapes that I know bigger bucks use, the mature does start hanging around them. I've seen it on my cans. It's been a while, but um, yeah, that's that's definitely the case. And, and if you see a situation like that, a mature deer hanging around a scrape, that's that's definitely a place to um, maybe check out and hunt. Um, and I know scrapes, uh, you know, everybody talks now about scrapes um and i feel like i try to evolved into running a lot more cameras on scrapes even summertime since we're not allowed to use mineral licks in pa but i don't have much i don't have bucks um hitting mature deer hitting any of the scrapes you know i feel like and i talked to steve shark about it um and, and i know he's has a lot of success and i'm using the same products that other people use as far as attracting these bucks. And I just feel like a lot of, I have a higher deer density, I think in these areas mm-hmm. to where these bucks, I feel like don't have to use the scrape, you know, throughout the year. He, Cause he knows where the, when you got less clear cuts and more concentrations of where the deer are going to be, he's going to just satellite them areas and no, no, right. it's like a tight, tight knit, knit, knit community. Or you yeah. kind of where you live, you know everybody because you're. Oh yeah, you're you're in the area. But if your houses are spread out miles, you're gonna have to go and, you know, if nobody's knocking your neighbor ain't home a mile away, you're gonna you know if don't have a phone, you're gonna knock on a door, leave a note, hey, stop to see you. You know what I mean? But yeah. um, some something like that. So, um, I, I just with areas, not saying. It's just situational, and, and, and don't think there is one answer to every situation. You know, I, I found a lot of these big bucks just cruising down window scrapes. I know that one deer that Bo shot there a few years back, I had a camera on that scrape, monster community scrape. And uh, when we shot that buck, I wasn't even sure if the deer was alive because I ain't had him on that scrape since October. And yeah. we bumped him about... 100 to 200 yards from that scrape down when that scrapes where he hung out. And he was never that touched the, that scrape. Was that the one Bo shot just a couple of years ago here, Johnny? Yeah, the one he, we drug across the water there. Yeah. Oh, so, that was a stud. Yeah, so I watched that deer. Well, I've had him, I had him on my camera. I had him on my camera for four years. Um, wow. And actually, Greg Litzinger was out hunting with me, and I put him there and he had hit a deer as soon as he bow season. And as soon as he shot the deer, it was stop chasing a doe grunt shoot. And he took another step. So he hit it pretty far back. He never recovered it. And so fast forward to gun season, I called Greg. I said, did you shoot that buck with him? Big brow finds. I said, I, he, he hasn't been on a scrape since before you were in there. You know, well, I mean, I didn't care if he did or not. No, it wasn't. I said, I don't know. So then oh, let's go look for this big buck, you know, um, I have an idea where he's at if he's still alive. So yeah, when we bumped him right near that scrape, he was living right there, um, but never touched that scrape. And it yeah, just wow. goes to show that these, and I feel like they get the, it's their personality, like they're especially if you do have like a younger population of deer. It's almost like 
say you're an adult and you go to a area where there's younger people hanging out, teenagers and that, it's like you don't really have much in common with them. Right. It's like, like I'm going to be over here doing like I'm not. I feel like they get to that. Some of them deer get to the. Yeah. They don't associate with those scrapes and all that bullshit to them deer do because it's not me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. If it's like when like, you're 21, absolutely. you want to go to the bars, hang out with everybody. But even when you're hit, usually about 30, you're just like, I'd rather chill at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. The bar scene. But yeah, when you're 20, like, yeah, me at 44, are they going to hang out with me at 21? <laughs> <This guy's an laughs> no, you know? no. I don't want to hang around him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Get me in trouble. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Exactly. And but I you know what? The same thing with yeah. I'll, I'll say this real quick. Uh, I've yeah. noticed the same thing. So scrape, I got this community scrape. Is walked on this new piece of Indiana public, and it was just like one of the first things I found. And same thing, I've had a camera on that spot since I found it. And I got to go pull it. It's been out getting data, but uh, the the does would hit it almost daily. Young bucks would hit it, but your mature bucks were only hitting it that last week of October, going into the rut, and then they weren't hitting it the rest of the year, basically. Yeah, and even nothing. They go downwind a little ways, throw a camera. You might catch them cruising by at some time checking, you know? Yep. yep. That's true. Yeah. You know, I can I can attest for that, too. I've never, you know, going six years after Big 8, all my trail cam data of him, I have never had him hit one of my mock scrapes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I feel like some right. of them just make their own little scrapes sometimes. you yeah. got to find them. If they even make a scrape. Or I've even seen these older deer – don't even rub a lot in the area when you have a big disconnect between the younger, a lot of younger population and the one old buck or, you know, he yeah. just doesn't fit in. He don't hundred yeah. percent like big eight seems like he's not in a very aggressive buck. And that's the crazy no, thing. Like situational. Timid. That's why everything's situational because your area is situational. And then the buck itself is situational. Like big eight does not seem like he's going to go out there and try to fight every buck on the mountain. He seems like he's trying to, kind of skid around unseen from just talking I'll, to Utah I'll, and seeing pictures. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. One night me and dad made a loop with a spotlight, um, and he was out in the field with this other buck. And, I mean, this other buck he was in the field with was maybe 110-inch, but he was like an old bruiser buck, you know. And Big 8 was in the field with him, and this buck ran him all over that field until Big 8 – you know what I mean? 150-inch yeah. eight-point <laughs> runs away from a 100-inch eight-point, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's funny to see. It's like the same thing with me. I'm a little guy, but I'm fiery, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every every deer has their yeah. own personality. Just like humans, you know, and I always say to people, if you were hunting humans, you know, you would say, oh, I'm going to go sit at McDonald's. But that doesn't mean you're going to, you know, everybody eats at McDonald's, you know, it's like, right. you're not going to catch certain people there. That's not where they, eat, you know, so it's kind of just like analogies like that, that. You got to catch that stud at Planet Fitness, man. Yeah. Pounding <laughs> the weights at the yeah. GNC or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, Johnny, when did uh, you say you got like serious about whitetails? Was it in your like 20s or later in life? I'd say probably uh, I shot my first good size buck at 22, 21, 22. Okay. So that um, kind of started me being serious on chasing. Okay. Um, being and, and, like tapering off as time goes on, like 
getting out of turkey hunting, small game fishing, and just getting really uh, serious about whitetail and archery hunting. Um, and then started different states, probably in my early 20s, 23, you know. Yeah. Okay. And I'm 44 and now, so, yeah, 20 years, you know. For me, I've been ate up with hunting my entire life. That's like, I didn't play sports when I was growing up because it came during deer season, all of that. But from yeah. last year when I dove into public land, it, I was, I'm 28 this year. I learned more last year from this piece of public not more than my whole life, but definitely more than one year ever. Just one year of doing it, the amount I learned from just hunting yeah. public land, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, a, it's an yeah. awesome, and and I try and, I feel like you're only as tough as your opponent, and that's like my mm-hmm. tough, you know, to where there's chance some of these areas in PA that are pretty vast. I mean, you might have, you might have one chance. You know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah. then when, when it comes down, boils down to that, it really, like, you have to do everything perfect that puts that much yeah. stress on you when you have maybe that one opportunity and you know you're going to hunt, I don't know, countless in Earl of hours, and you have to make this shot. You have to do it. It's like a pressure cooker, you know, yeah. not like, I have another chance. Oh, he didn't, you know, it's all right. But it, it makes it that more extreme of a, you know, situation yeah when it comes down to making that shot, you know? I I think too in specific is like, you know, me and Johnny were both after mountain deer. So mm-hmm. I mean totally different from agriculture where you have deer that are, you know, dependent on agriculture, whereas, you know, your mountain deer, they don't even know what a cornfield or a soybean field is. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, they're different, man. I did that Kentucky scouting on that real big mountainy stuff, and I, I honestly gave it up. I was like, it's too far of a drive, and it's too much work finally. I got a property closer. It's just like because of how I've grown up. I've grown up around ag fields and slight deviation in elevation throughout your property, and it's just a whole different ballgame. Like, like, I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable on whitetails, and when I get into those mountains, it's just like, where do I start? It's just different. Yeah, and you gotta keep. You gotta get some odds in, on your on your side. You 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 gotta have some percentage of, of a chance. It can't be just yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna hunt here. You've got to be something that you know gives you a little bit of a go good there. feeling. Yeah, you just keep yeah. going. And like the area I hunt in PA is there's not even much top of it's flat. Yeah, it's just that makes it really when the, when they start roaming and wow, it makes it really tough to get them into bow range when it's flat and gradual yeah. and there's brows yeah. and i just yeah. the big, my biggest thing is you know i kind of gravitate towards some of the hunting pressure you know and, and being that i've hunted a lot of public land around the country that was my biggest thing to help me pick my spot is the pressure it right where is it and when is it you know right yeah, like absolutely the, just like e-scouting you were talking about that earlier it's just you can do so much in your Midwest, even around me in northern Kentucky, southern Indiana. I can look at a map and I can guess pretty well where a buck will be, especially like in the rut. It's pretty easy to get a pinch point and stuff like that. Like I actually marked within like 50 yards of where I killed my buck before I even ever walked foot on that property. It just happened that I marked that spot to check out. But them big mountains, man, you can't just pick a spot on the mountain. You guys probably can because you, you know it better <laughs> than me. But me not having that knowledge, I can't just look at that map and be like, that's where a buck's at. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's tough. 
You have to it get is. out there. You have to get out this way, Gavin, and try it out. Yeah, but yeah. Um, hopefully next year I'll try to get out there to PA and hunt with Tyler. He's he's coming yeah. down here, so it's my turn turn to head down there. It's fun. What do you think, Johnny? Do we normally start in the upper third? Isn't that the rule of thumb? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, that's where you start start seeing your action. But that's not all. You know, that's a good seam situation. That's a good, yeah. That's a good starting point if I had a spot to pick. But then again, it, yeah, situational. What's your pressure? Start taking notes of everything that could affect these animals. You know, yeah, right. Pred- yeah. predators, people, food. Yeah, uh, you know, just, just everything. Um, we we had Bo's scouting camp in in this weekend, and we went up in the woods. And first time I was up, and in, in guys like, where 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 do you want? Where would you hunt? I'm like, I wouldn't do anything yet. I, I you got to put some more pieces of the puzzle together. So we did like a loop, and you know, it was a little bit of laurel, a bench, some rub scrapes, and I still I, I don't I don't have any answers for you guys yet. Right. It's like. Yeah. I need to push on, and then it's all relative to what, you know, it's all relative whether it's the pressure or the population to that area. Like, so right. the area we got in didn't look super appealing to me. There was, wasn't much mass this year, not much sign. But I talked to Bo. He's like, that mountain was worse. That's why we didn't go there. I was up there, and we went to another section, and then it started looking a little better. So once you get some more pieces of the puzzle then you could start saying okay i would hunt here this is you know i got a little more yeah better odds here but it's it's all relative to what you know what i mean like one yeah person might go up there man there's tons of sign here and another person from another part of the country go up there is like this man this sucks yeah. you know so you gotta keep <laughs> what's relative to that area you know what i mean right one yep. thing I noticed just from going on that and scouting that one Kentucky mountainy uh, property, every time I get to the back, it was about a mile and a half back where I was like, this is where the deer are after scouting it the first time. And every time I get to the hill and you start walking back and it's almost towards the property line and it slopes all the way to the property line. Basically, you get to the top of that hill and you start walking down. I've been on that property twice and both times those blew at me from hundreds of yards away. And I don't think I've ever had that on any of this, uh, like, ag country swampland properties I've been on. So that's just kind of my question. Do you think, like, mountain deer use the wind more than your average, like, ag land deer? Um, I don't know if they use the wind more. I say they use it whenever their situation, you know, if they're going to a bedding area, they want to smell or a doe area, I think. Um, but then deer that are in the mountain areas, you know, what is the situation? I know there's times when I've been in rugged mountain areas and the, the frosty morning where deer could hear a mile away. It, you, you don't give a shit about the wind because I could hear something coming. Um, right. You know, but generally, you know, there are predators in general out there, humans, coyotes or whatever. So, so they, they want to have something, some odds in their favor, you know, when we want to talk about bedding, because that's mostly what they're doing most, most of the time, you know, these bucks are bedded, you know, that's, that's why they're hard to kill. And, right. and they, they got something, whether it's a sight they could see or cover behind them um, and they can escape and, or the wind when they're laying there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
but bucks don't always just travel with the wind in their favor. I've seen them travel with it at their back, this and that. But then again, it comes to like what I'm saying is it is it that safe area and the safe time? You know, if he right. hasn't seen you the longer time he goes without seeing humans or predators, he can throw a little caution to the wind. I mean, you're getting into like October, November, and there's a lot of hunters there. Chances are, you know, and a lot of times you find these rubs in that. Um, he's using the wind when he's traveling. Um, I find like rubs maybe on one side of tree camp, he's going this way and it's usually, Oh, I see he's using the wind. And it's usually, um, because it's during hunting season and there's guys in there. You know what I mean? It's, it's Mm -hmm. definitely, um, something to, um, take into consideration, um, when you're out there, what, what, what's all going on, you know? Um, can I kind of don't worry about the wind much in this area as he's, he's in a safe and comfortable way. Well, he's been moving around, but, um, that's always a factor. You know, you got to take in consideration, but then it's hard to give like a definite answer. Cause yeah. me being hunting so many States and different terrain and that, and, you know, I know some people can talk, about a situation that they're good at this area they hunt when you find so many variables and different situations it's hard you know and you've seen so many different things happen it's hard to say yep this is what they do this is what they don't do you know yeah there there is there's a lot of variables to the game it's a lot a lot can turn on a dime and you can go from the highest to highs to the lowest to lows yeah, it's a mental tough game, you know. Um, it's, it's, a, it's really challenging, you know. Yeah, yeah well, absolutely. You must be pretty physically and mentally tough, man, to be sitting there in your Jeep for a couple months. That's not right <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was. I, I yeah, I was. I mean, I feel like it's anything, whatever you want, whatever you 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 know, you just. If you're, if you have a good work ethic, I think you're willing to work hard and have a, you know, you do whatever it takes. Like, I don't give it like, like that's who I am. That's who I was. And, um, I like things. I'd like challenges, you know, like I used to love, uh, I used to just love running up and down hills for exercise. Like, you know, and then it, when I get into a mountain situation, I got to hike up. It's like, even if I don't do it all the years, like it, it's don't bother me. I, I can go up and down mountains, you know? Um, yeah. and it's just, I don't know. Like in, when I tell people that story of like, uh, years ago, I drew a tag for Iowa and they're like, when are you going? I'm like, until I kill my deer. I mean, like, what do you mean? You know, like, I'm going for the, I'm going for the November 1st to the first week I can get off. I'm like, no, I'm leaving like October 15th. And I actually came home one time from October 15th that year, like middle of November, only to put camera trail cam pictures out for a deer that I wanted to hunt in PA in January. Then I drove back to Iowa and lived out there <laughs> till January 10th. I shot a spike the last day. Brutal cold as I drove all the way home and ended up shooting that deer in PA. You know, so, yeah, it's like... Uh, I, that's just what you do, you know. If, if that's your, it's it's how bad do you want it, basically. Exactly. You know? How bad do you want it? What are you willing to do? And 
if you have that type of attitude, you know, and it's good to associate yourself with people that are like-minded if you, if you want, if you're doing this or, or whatever you might do, if you're around someone that, I mean, time we were talking about it this weekend where you can be pessimist and i feel like sometimes i get in a situation where i did all my scout and i feel like everything's right and i get in the tree i sit there for a day or two and my big buck don't come and then you start thinking maybe i did this wrong you start creeping to be pessimistic and you start getting these things that take you the opposite of who you are and so lately i've been just sitting back when these things creep into my mind it's like what are the positive things that put you here and the positive reasons to stay here and if that outweighs the negative areas then let's just stick it out for a while but then again there there is definitely that time when and it's it's a fine line when you say no i need to move and that's a it's a struggle that we deal with um, should I move over there a little bit or should I stay right here? And there's times, you know, it happened for me that I should have moved. I had him a, the deer to shoot at 60 yards. And, and I was going to, I got up in a tree right before light. And, it, and I said, man, I need on the hillside. There's a little bump and a little bit of a dip in that hillside. If I thought come I knew it was going to come in that got up in a tree. I'm like, I should move 40 yards and I could shoot to that dip. Like now, just hang out, and that buck come down that hill and that dip, and it was too far of a shot, you know. Oh man, yep. Monster, hundred fifty five, hundred sixty inch public land, right up at sixty five, and I just couldn't take the shot, you know. But it's like, but then again, don't then out. I've seen it. I should. I you know. I'm like, just go. Don't. You know, you hit one, you can't find them, or you miss up and just stop. Don't cry over spilled milk. Just keep going. You know, don't make yeah. make things happen for yourself. Get out there and and you did all you could happen. I sleep fine. I just get up and the next day and keep going forward and looking forward. Um, because if you can if you live in a past and you know, I always tell, like, even friends of mine, and I, don't cry over spilled milk. Like, Bo's a good friend of mine, and he's had some situations where, you know, he missed bucks or wounded and this and that. It's just, you know, don't even, I don't even want you thinking about it. Just learn yeah. from it and go forward. You know, don't make it a learning That's experience all. and keep going. Yeah. Yeah, I try to keep that mindset. I, I'm, I'll admit that, like, right, I missed a doe at like 20 yards this year, right there, early season, and I'm just that guy. Like, I'll be mad for a minute just at myself, like, you bum, I can't believe you missed a 20 yard shot, forgot to miss your pin. And then I'm the same way though. Then I'm like, ah, it happens. Nothing to. I mean, you can sit there and dwell on it, but it's not going to do you any good, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yep, for sure. How do you, you got anything? Yeah. Um, so Johnny, real quick. So whenever you're, uh, you're looking for a buck bed, you know, um, what are some of the things you're, you're really looking for? And when you come, you know, you come up on one, how do you kind of break down that process? Uh, <laughs> man, it's tough. Cause 
I, I really don't find a lot of buck beds in the areas okay. that I hunt. I feel like the deer that I hunt are more, um, they just roam a lot in, in, in the areas. I mean, but I've definitely found buck beds. You know, if you got the right size and you have, if you know, you have numerous in an area, I'd get in and uh, I did it one time that uh, I found a cluster of buck beds. I was in the Midwest, right on the edge of this, right in the cedar thicket, big rub. And um, it was right on the verge of the rut first week of November. And I got in her way before light. Um, I saw the deer. He's a big buck. And I actually hit him, hit a limb and hit his leg or nothing, bait or anything. But um, yeah, if you find a buck bed and chances are if you have a few of them, Get in there and try to hunt it um, that time, you, you know, while the time is right. Yeah. There's no, nothing better than that. The yeah. um, and the important thing is when you're out in these mountains, put a lot of time in, like I said, to you get some odds and you find what don't just, yeah. don't ever, I always say don't ever hope. To kill. Don't ever hope for anything in life. Right. Know as much as you can. Now, you know there's going to be a time where, like, hey, I only have one day left. I got to hunt. We just. But keep, you know, till you know enough. Find you know, and if you can get a buck bed, sometimes you bump him. Um, give him a day or so. Get back in there. He's there for a reason. You know. What, right. What he's doing works. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I am. I don't really focus on buck beds if I find one. That's a plus, but I just try to find like I'm a big travel corridor guy. Find in between. That's where I've killed a lot of my bucks. Killed my Kentucky buck last year. First year hunting public land. It was right there in a just a travel corridor in between primary food and bedding. So that, especially in the rut, can't beat that. And, and lately, like I said, I've been looking for just what I call these safe areas. You know, yeah. to where yeah these pockets and one way I, I just did a podcast with Bo yesterday or the day before and I, um, so this is the puzzle this is kind of how I my analogy to this whole situation that we do is like you find pieces of a puzzle act like it's almost is a puzzle piece say you're building a puzzle but you don't know the big you don't know what the picture is on the box in a puzzle like mm -hmm. I take a thousand got 30 pieces of the puzzle. You still don't know what the picture is without seeing the front of the box. Like I feel like right. there's a lot of blank spots, you know, but these puzzles or, you know, find these hot spots or these safe areas, you know, and just spend time in around those areas, you know, try to locate where he likes to be safe. Cause in his mind, he's out there thinking, this is the safest where I'm going to be. It might not always be one bed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like we yeah. said, it's situational. You find these areas that he feels safe in and you want to probe around there. Um, and know, I always talk about knowing, know, know as much as you can about this animal, you know, and, and don't be too afraid. Yeah. To, you don't want to just go into his bedroom all the time, but, like I said, he lives with humans. Put your time in. Hike as much as you can. Spend as much time as you can in the woods. I don't care if it's summertime, fall, winter. 
and uh, you know ask yourself if, if and then get the odds in your favor to some degree, and, and uh, some bucks are easier to kill than others, you know. Right. What kind 100%. of scout are you, Johnny? Are you like a quick walker? Like, don't worry about making noise. Or are you? Oh yeah, I I molest the area. I go through like there's <laughs> there's instances like I tell people when they get blown away. So one instance, I one thing I did and I still do is uh, this area was maybe a five six thousand piece of public. I went. I didn't have time. I wanted to hunt there, um, so I drove down this area about November. Second and third, about an hour before dark, I damn near run through the woods. It was covered about, you know, thousand acres, and I just marked everywhere I seen a guy, a guy's tree stand. Everywhere I seen, you know, bump deer, or fr- it was after a rains. Another good time. I just got a bunch of pieces of the puzzle right then, man. I bumped the doe here. Okay, well that it was a heavily hunted piece of public. Okay, there's this is a good spot. This is a good safe area this deer's does hanging out here and i just yeah nothing you know there's other guys out there hunting so why ain't why aren't you out there you know you yeah i just damn near you know yeah i put i go i want to i want to know what's going on out in the woods i rather know and bump him and let him know about me but that also when he knows about me i know about him and we're right. able to they don't have the part, part of their brain that we do or to figure out the next you know what I mean? Um, he yeah. knows. He got his ears, nose to. Um, he knows it's safe, safe areas, and you can, you know, if you bump him. Okay, he knows I bumped him. He knows I parked here. Well, he thinks you're parking there, but I'm going to park here, go down the road, or park up the road and come in. So, yeah, our, our minds yeah. are way more um, complex and able to learn learn more, and you know, than they are. Yeah, yeah. I kind of I asked that because I kind of figured just by following you for a while and just seeing how you do. Because, like, I'm aggressive. I'm probably – I'm pretty damn aggressive. Like, first day of rutcation, uh, it was, like, first week of November on that Kentucky property. I had a spot I wanted to hunt. We got there. I didn't see the sign. And then I was like, dude, we're about to walk right through the middle where I think it's prime time and hunt with my buddy Dylan. He's like, dude, are you serious? I was like, we got to see what's over there. It's like one part of the property yeah. I've never scouted. And I was like, there's got to be a big buck. We get legit to the spot I wanted to and jumped up a big, mature buck. I've got a bunch of trail camera pictures of them now since then. And then uh, most people probably been like, oh, my hunt's ruined. I just jumped up a buck. We sat there, watched where he ran. I'm like, that buck's probably going to come out. He's on a hot dough. We sat up and I had that buck that night at 35 yards. He was in CRP yeah. and I couldn't get a shot at him, though. So I think being yeah. aggressive works works good for you sometimes. Obviously, you're going to blow it up, but. Especially that time of year when you're in on a rut, you know he's there for a reason. There's a doe. He's right. gonna, he's gonna be right there. He's there. Yeah, you know. I had I put cell cameras up right there on those trails he was on and stuff. And I had like three of them out there, and he would did not leave that area for about three days. Then he was gone. But for those three days when he was on that hot doe, he was on that camera quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's so. your What's your take, Johnny, on uh, deer patterning us as hunters? What you, uh, what's your take on it? Yeah, I'm I'm sure they do pattern people and I try to think outside the box and, and I I know they're pattern people, so I also pattern people and see what people's tendencies are in my area to know I almost become people tell me I've that meet me or man, you're as close to a deer as a person could be, you know. Because I, I kind of feel what they feel and sense what they sense. Um 
and it's it's that hunting pressure and i sense guys in the area and, and this is where they're gonna um this is where i could go if i was a deer to be safe um right they definitely um pattern you know learn your tendencies and association is a big thing with these animals is they associate this certain area say is a oak flat they always uh smell people hunting it well he might go two mountains over as another oak he's going to associate that oak flat with what he, what the last oak flat is so he's going to be real leery about going in and feeding on this one so right you know we got a lot of good hunters out there but i always try to stay one step ahead and see how the, the flow is going and what people are learning and where they're going and um and I do find that it comes in waves in, in my area. You know, one area might be hunted hard by humans um, a year and the bucks ain't in there. Then you got to keep checking that area as time goes on because then they move out and the deer start scent checking that area. Like I said, whether it's that oak flat, then bucks. Are, then once he starts using that area and, and um, finds that nobody's in this oak flat, then he's going to move in and live in there. So it's a never end. And, and right. the unknown variable is the hunting pressure when you're hunting this public land. It's like the makes it so tough is you got to know what what's going on out there. And then you just I start seeing I see the patterns and, you know, and how people where they park and where they go in the woods at. And, you know, this place that they hunt, it's. Areas for the deer, the good sign, you know, the good mass, right. you know, and it's like, OK, I got to stay ahead and I find myself. Hunting a lot of times, people say, you see, you see a lot of cameras here. I'm like, no, because I'm trying to stay one step ahead of them hunters right. and all the attractive places that people are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah. I love that. That's that's good. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got a selfish question for you, Johnny. For like, um, for me, man, we got the white tail bloodline. And we're obviously trying to help people with our page and teach people along. And one thing, it's just kind of hard for me, and it's one thing I work on, uh, basically daily is like when I go to a property and uh, I just got like kind of an intuition, like it's a good spot. It's kind of hard for me to like explain why it's a good spot. Do you have problem like kind of doing that? Cause like you obviously know what you know, but like putting that into words, is that kind of hard for you? Cause I know you do a lot of podcasts and stuff. It, it is. And I feel like I, I can sense like this for the veterans hunting where we were parking and going in the woods and I just had uh, this buck's gonna live where we're parking. I feel like this is this is we don't need to be going back in the woods. And I was with the kid um, guiding him, and we come mm -hmm. out, and I said, "Get your bow ready." He's like, "Why?" I said, "This is where a big I, I could sense it. I could feel it." <laughs> we yeah. took five steps, and there was a big buck standing there. He was blown away. He's like, "How'd you know?" I said, "I, I just <laughs> sense this. I get. I think it's it's. I could sense what a big buck needs. You know, a diversity." kind of satellite in the rest of the population you know i'm in near a road like it's these things that i sense that i know i can i know that's what they need and, and it also happened to me it happens to me a few times a year like this year i was rifle hunting and then my heart starts pounding i could just feel like there's i said there's a there's a deer i could sense it like and i pull my gut yeah. up and there's a deer there it happened to me twice and then another spot i was rifle hunting this year i just got this has got it. There's, there's, I get this sense, and I just think it's the the areas that everything comes in. And you spend so much time learning about these animals. 
that you start sensing you, your environment is what they're liking, what they need. You're in that area that it's just the, you start knowing what they know, the hunting pressure, you know, the, the, the right amount of or this, you know, it's just kind of like the rest of, you know, you start getting in tune, really in tune with your, what they want and stuff like that. And it starts, um, you know, becoming more clear, you know, yep. that's why I'm a big believer. Like you can study a, a map as much as you want, but I'm a big believer in boots on the ground and keeping a trail camera in your bag. You'll go walking through a property and you'll hit a spot. You would never think a big buck would be. And then you'll just see something like same thing you're talking about, like your intuition, like, Oh shit. Like this is the spot. There's a buck right here. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of hard for me to articulate in, or ever use that word that to other people. It's just like one of those things when I see it, I just know it, you know? Yeah. And there's yeah. times I put the camera, like, I'm not saying every, but there's times when I put a camera out, like, this is it, this is the spot and not a damn thing. And there's times you throw a camera up and it's like, man, I can't believe with all these bucks. I thought this place sucked. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the epitome. I got this camera I put up on that rutcation on November 8th and it was like, it was a good trail and it's a good pinch. I had no idea how good it was. Like that camera has been on fire since I put it out. Like tired Tyler's in the group chat. I yeah. got this one buck I call nuts. And I don't know if it's just this, uh, it doesn't get much pressure for uh, public land. And then there's like a sanctuary right next to it. And these bucks don't leave, man. I've had that, that buck. He's nuts. He's got the most swollen nuts I've ever seen in my life. I don't know what's wrong with him. He's like on top of my hit list. Cause I, I feel bad for him and he's pretty mature for public land. But from November until right now, I just got pictures of him today. That buck doesn't leave that area, and I just never thought that camera was going to be that good. And that's a camera I'll probably never move now. Yeah, yeah, I know. Ain't that something? How that all works out? Yep. And yeah. There's like major trails, and I've noticed like your does will use those trails way more often. And these bucks are just like going straight across in like random spots. And my camera just happens to be one of those spots they go through. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, but, Johnny, uh, uh, we uh, yeah. we want to be cautious of your time here, and uh, Gav, you want to hit him with some rapid fire questions? Yeah, we can, man. Uh, Go for it. Shoot. Okay, so you, this might be kind of not doesn't have to be long, but bow wise, are you guys that practices year round, or are you kind of like I am? Uh, your bow I think out? this right. year, I th- yeah, this year I need to practice more. I had target for a lot of years and i it, the less i shot the better but i know to be more productive out there I, I, so this year i'm gonna try to get shooting here in june because i get busy working through the summer and then it, before you know it, it's September october i didn't even have my bow out you know so yeah, yeah that's me i'm the exact same boat as you johnny my question for you is uh what's one thing if you could take away what's the takeaway from last year uh, season that you're going to incorporate in this following season? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so, like I said, last year I kind of thought um, I, was, I had my spot picked. Uh, yeah, I was going to hunt near this road. The does were there and this and that. And I just kept – and it wasn't happening. It was an immature deer and the bucks, even though they weren't on my cameras, like, he's going to come, he's going to come, he's going to come. And then he never came when I should have shifted gears. Um, yeah. It, you, but you just learn every year. It's like, yeah, um, you know, get, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, I know that, but um, keep your options open, man. 
Yeah. Have more than one spot, you know? Yep. Love that. All right. So, minus like your bow, which you have to have to kill a deer, what's one piece of gear that you have in your, your backpack or your pack at all times throughout the season? I don't know. Um, my arrows. I don't know. I don't <laughs> – I'm really <clears throat> raw, and I don't take a lot, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Man, one thing I, I'm big on, though, is my scent control, I think, is, is number one. It's not a piece of – but yep. try to – to work, you know, my, have my clothes as scent free as possible because a lot of these places the wind swirls, um, yeah. and there's just if you could just call like you're never going to eliminate all, but the more that I could eliminate to me is, you know, there's situations where you're going to play to win and it's perfect, and there are those situations I found in PA when it's in your favor, hundred percent you can stink, but for the most part, I just you know have <laughs> wash my clothes good and keep everything scent free and be mindful of that. You know, I wear, I think maybe probably the number one thing is a scent lock mask hood that I wear all the time and I wash often. You know, yeah. to keep my, my head from, that's where a lot of the scent comes from, in my opinion. Yep, awesome. for sure. And Johnny, I know we're about out of time for you, man. We're going to have to do this again in the future. You're a wealth of knowledge and I got a lot more questions I could ask you. But for people who want to follow you along or follow what you're doing, where can people find you? I'm pretty much just active on Instagram, the Johnny Stewart. Um, and lately, uh, last, this spring, I started kind of consulting for people. If anybody's interested in that, they could shoot me a message. Um, if you got the Spartan Forge app, they're coming out with the Blue Force tracker to where, uh, if you want me to do some consulting, you know, we can just, you draw a polygon around the area you want to hunt and I could drop pins. It'll go right to you. Um, or if you're out there scouting, I could see you're in the area, your blue dots in there. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to using that. And, um, yeah, I've been, uh, helping people. Um, and I'm going to do more, um, dropping pins and, and, and even some people are, I'm thinking about maybe going out and hunting with people. Uh, a lot of people want me to come out and scout with them and, and that. And then right now it's kind of hard with my excavation business. This is my, you know, I make a lot more money doing that, but I'd like to start doing more of that. But, um, yeah, yeah. if anybody out there is interested in wanting me to help them scout, drop pins, talk about an area, you know, we could talk about a price. And I know my time is valuable. And what I've learned, if I, in my 25 years, if I just had some, like, I did, I have a lot of experience because to me, I'd learn, I did, experience means that I've done enough wrong that I know what to do right now. And if I could help people cut down on that time, um, I just like helping people out. So yeah, if you want to shoot me a message, if anybody out there is interested or um, shoot me an email, Stuart one, four, nine, six, seven at Gmail. Um, and we'll see how that goes. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. And if anytime you guys want to maybe do another podcast or, you know, if you get headed out this way, Gavin, Maybe we'll hook up or something or, you know, vice versa. For sure. Yep. I appreciate you a lot, Johnny, for coming on. I know Tyler was really looking forward to this. You're somebody he's he's been following for a long time, being from Pennsylvania. And yeah, man, yeah, I'd man. love to meet you. There's there's not a – I don't want this to sound bad, but there's not like a million people out there that I would care to actually like see and meet. But uh, you're definitely one of them, brother. So I would love to <laughs> hear in the future. Absolutely, Johnny. It was a pleasure, brother. Thank you. Uh for coming on and joining us.
you. Yeah, definitely, man. Keep in touch. Yes, sir. We'll do, Johnny, brother. man, don't be a stranger. If you ever need anything from us, feel free to reach out. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, right, have, a, have good a good one, one Johnny. All right. Take care.